Hey guys, Shane with Now That I'm Older. Check out Rogue Intel Prime with Duff and Chris. Anything goes in this podcast of infinite possibilities. The gang are sure to entertain with their take on the latest news, commentary, and review of, well, whatever the hell they feel like. Check out Rogue Intel Prime on RogueIntel.com. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic. Before the Dark Times. Before the Empire. And certainly, before the Powerful Nerdcast. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another edition of the Powerful Nerdcast. I'm your host with the most, Corey. And as you've probably noticed, I'm going solo again this week. And that's because Christian is not here. He is out of town at a family wedding. Christian, I hope you're having a blast. Don't drink too much at the open bar. He should return for the next episode, which is good because that's going to be our episode right before the uh, holiday season starts to kick into full gear. That being said, today's episode is really exciting. We have so many cool things to talk about. We have some brand new characters who've just shown up in Dragon Ball Super, which is something I really, really want to talk about. They just announced the last batch of DLC and characters for Super Smash Bros. Wii U and 3DS. Just last week, we had two huge trailers for big movies coming out next year, like X-Men Apocalypse and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, out of the shadows. That's right. So I want to take the time to talk about all of this stuff today, and I think I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start with Dragon Ball because I wanted to make a whole separate video about this, but I didn't just have the time to do it, so I think this is the perfect opportunity to talk about this. Let me just go ahead and say if you are not following Dragon Ball Super, whether it be the anime or the manga version, just I want to give you a big spoiler warning because these images, which just came out recently, aren't even translated yet, but they are from the official manga release of Dragon Ball Super, and they give us our very first look at some of the brand new fighters. So, just to fill you in on what's going on in Dragon Ball Super, Dragon Ball Super is kind of like this continuation slash reboot of Dragon Ball, where basically they're trying to revitalize the series, and the first two story arcs of Dragon Ball Super were adaptations from the movies, like Battle of Gods and the, uh, the Resurrection of Frieza, but the third arc in the series is going to be completely brand new, and it's going to be going back to the strengths of Dragon Ball, which are doing these big, crazy tournament arcs, which I think is the best part of Dragon Ball, so I really can't wait to see what they're going to do with this one now that it's on this, like, other, like, universal scale. Like, we really get to see some things that we've never seen before, and we even have some uh, brand new characters who are going to be on uh, the good side, or Beerus' side. So, what's going on in this arc is there are these two different gods of destruction. There's Beerus, and there's Shampa, and they decide that they're going to battle for Earth. Basically, in each different universe, there are two different versions of Earth, and in the sixth universe, Earth is pretty much just crap. Like, it's just a big dust ball, nobody wants it anymore, it's been ravaged by war, and Shampa Shampa wants the more beautiful version of Earth, which is in Universe 7, which is where Goku and Vegeta and all his other friends live. So, in order to fight for the Earth, they're going to have this big universal tournament where each universe is going to gather their five strongest fighters, and whichever team wins is going to claim the Earth. Now... Obviously, one of the biggest things about this is everybody's been speculating who is going to be in this tournament, and there's always been some obvious answers. So, let's go ahead and talk about the hero side. First, we have Goku, Vegeta... Piccolo, 
Majin Buu and this one brand new fighter who literally just looks like this little red alien with very big nipples. That's not a joke. It's not an exaggeration. They definitely focus on the fact that this guy looks like he's in a cold room 24 hours a day. I'm not really sure what the deal is with this character. I was expecting something a little more serious, but then again, Dragon Ball is another one of those series where you can't really judge a book by its cover. You never really know how powerful someone is going to be, and this little red guy is supposedly the most powerful person that Beerus has ever thrown down with, so to imagine that this guy can go toe-to-toe with like Goku and Vegeta is a really big deal. I'm not sure what his power are going to be if they're going to involve his ridiculously oversized nipples or not, but we're going to have to wait and see. Um, some interesting choices though here. Um, I think Piccolo is an appropriate choice because he's one of the fan favorite characters. He's one of the strongest characters from Earth, and this would be a great opportunity to maybe like show what he's done over the years, how he's grown, maybe some new techniques that he's developed, and uh, a great opportunity to basically expand on a really popular side character from Dragon Ball. Goku and Vegeta are obvious choices. Majin Buu is kind of like the wild card here. I'm really glad that they're incorporating Buu and actually remembering, hey, you remember this guy? Even though Beerus is the god of destruction, Buu sort of like destroyed half the universe as well. Buu is incredibly powerful, and I can't wait to see who he's going to fight against. And that brings us to Shampa's team. This is where things start to get really insane. So, my thumbnail for this video includes a shot of what these characters are going to look like, and let me just talk about them each individually. They're uh, all standing next to each other in a row. Uh, the first one is this weird purple-looking alien guy. I'm not really sure what to make of him at all. He kind of looks like a combination of like a Namek and uh, Frieza's species and a few of the other aliens that we've seen in the Dragon Ball universe, and I just think he looks really cool and really menacing, and I don't want to read into any of this too much, like the way they have the lineups where like he's the first one, he might be the most powerful part of that group, like he might be just as strong as Goku, I'm not really sure like what they're going to do with that, but I love his design, he's really dark, he's got this really cool battle armor on, which is a little different from some of the stuff that we've seen uh, from the series, but I think he looks really freaking fantastic. Right behind him appears to be a Saiyan from the 6th universe, who looks sort of like, you know, a typical Saiyan, um, sort of like a combination of uh, Goku and Vegeta, although he's much younger, and he doesn't look Look like he gives a crap about anything that's going on like he just looks really calm and collected and just sort of like indifferent to everything that's going on um I really can't wait to see what they're going to do with this Saiyan character I actually thought that there were going to be more Saiyans on their team I thought there was the implication that we were going to see uh, multiple versions of these characters I am really glad that it's a new character and not just like an alternate version of a character we've seen before and that goes for all the fighters they're all um completely unique for the most part and uh, that brings us to the third fighter who straight up just looks like Frieza in particular Frieza in his first form um albeit a little different more emphasis on the color schemes of blue and white kind of looks like one of those Frieza species character creations from Dragon Ball Xenoverse like, almost identical to that, um, but I can't wait to learn a little bit more about this character, um, a little different than, like, the typical, like, Frieza look, how the, uh, armor that this character is wearing, like, it's actually, like, a part of their body, which I think is really freaking awesome, like, it's all, like, an organic piece, um, just a really cool-looking version of, uh, Frieza's species, maybe an opportunity to finally expand on them, and the last two fighters are definitely the weirdest, um, right before the last, we have this 
weird yellow looking bear creature. That's the only way that I can describe it. Kind of like a cartoonish teddy bear wearing like a red tank top. He's uh, really surprisingly tall and lanky, but also like big and bulbous, kind of chubby and fat. Um, maybe he will be Majin Buu's opponent. Maybe this is like the alternate version of Majin Buu from that universe. Maybe this is like the weird demonic, like, universe destroying creature from that universe I think that would be really cool again just like uh, the red fighter from Goku's team uh, don't judge a book by its cover these guys are probably all just like disgustingly powerful and then last but not least on Shampa's team one of the weirdest choices appears to be a giant steam powered robot or at least some sort of like giant mech maybe someone's actually piloting it like maybe the fighter is actually inside maybe they're like like a a super genius who's created this like indestructible robot that can like go toe to toe with the strongest people in the universe i really love the design of it it's classic toriyama uh i love the design of all these characters this is really the most exciting thing about dragon ball super is actually being able to see these fighters for the very first time and it just builds my hype so much more for the anime version of Dragon Ball Super to finally get to see these guys in action. Um, my biggest relief, like I said, is that these characters are not like straight-up alternate versions of the Dragon Ball characters. I originally thought that it might go that route because there's Beerus and Whis, and then there's Shampa and Vados. And Shampa and Vados are basically like just alternate versions of Beerus and Whis, but they are related to one another, with Beerus and Shampa being uh, brothers, and then uh, Vados and Whis being brother and sister. And I thought that they were going to go that route. I'm really glad that they decided to go with something a little more creative, especially because this totally reminds me of like old Dragon Ball, whenever they would start up a new tournament, and you would see all of these brand new fighters just come out of the woodworks from nowhere. I want to learn all about their backstories. This is going to be really exciting right here. And it's bringing the strongest characters from the series together. So I'm really excited over the prospect of what they are going to do with that. So I'm really excited for this. I love the designs of these characters. Um, I can't wait to read it in the manga version, but I can't wait to see it even more in the anime version of Dragon Ball Super. So awesome. I love it. If you guys want to uh, check out these images, I will put links for them in the description box below. I'd love to hear your thoughts about them in the comment section. Please tell me who your favorite fighter is from Goku's team and from Shampa's team. Like, which one you want to really see in action. So, there it is. Dragon Ball Super characters. They look really freaking awesome. Now, let's go ahead and move on to video games. Because I'm a big fan of Super Smash Bros. It's one of my favorite Nay, it is my favorite fighting game of all time. Um, people will argue that it's not a fighting game, that it's basically just like a party game, like Mario Party, just with some fighting elements to it. But I think it does have deeper uh, things going for it, and it has a really hardcore fan base. And over the course of the last year after the release of the game, they've been releasing all of this DLC with all of these brand new characters. And despite the fact that Super Smash Bros. is a Nintendo fighting game, a lot of the new characters have been uh, picked and pulled from a lot of third-party franchises. We've already seen characters like Ryu, Sonic... Mega Man, um, and we get to see a few more of them show up. Just a month ago, we had the big reveal of Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, who was just released last night, by the way.
the way. I actually spent the night actually like just playing as that character, trying him out online, trying out his new stage, and he's awesome. He's really, really fun to play as. He's uh, the perfect homage to that character. Like He has all of his abilities. You can even charge up his uh, limit break if you ever used to play those games, and uh, it enhances all of his abilities, especially his big special attacks. The, uh, the B attacks is what I like to call them, and they're really flashy and they're really cool, and I think they did a fantastic job with the character. His Midgar stage in particular is beautiful, and whenever you hear that Final Fantasy VII battle music kick in, it just feels so classic. Like, if there's one thing these games are doing a really good job at, it's uh, basically just appreciating and showing, like, why these are the greatest video game characters of all time. And there's been a number of brand new characters who've been added to the roster over the course of time, and just yesterday, they had the final Super Smash Bros. Direct, which was going to reveal the final batch of DLC, the last stuff that they're going to release for the game, and it's pretty cool, but honestly, I am still slightly disappointed that some of my favorite characters did not make the roster, but let's talk about the ones that did. I already mentioned Cloud. He's already available. You can go ahead and purchase him right now on Wii U, 3DS, and you can even get the stage. I would highly recommend just getting the package for both of them because they're really cheap and it's just really awesome, but they also revealed these two other new characters. The first one they revealed at the very beginning of the Direct is this character who goes by the name of Corrin. No, not Corrin the cat from Dragon Ball, but Corrin, a character from Fire Emblem. In particular, the new game, Fire Emblem Fates, which I have not played because, one, it's not out in my country, and two, because I'm just not really that big of a Fire Emblem fan. I have played the series before, but uh, nowadays I just don't have the time to sit down and play these big epic RPGs. I usually play games now in, like, really short bursts, and that, again, is why I like Smash Brothers. I can play for 10 minutes, I can play for an hour, and I'll be completely satisfied just because I'll be able to get a couple of matches in. But this character, Corrin, despite the fact that he is another Fire Emblem character and another sword user, he is completely different than the other Fire Emblem characters uh, that we've seen. He's very much like Robin, where they were taking a, a Fire Emblem character and they wanted to make him completely different. Um, he at first just looks like a typical swordsman, and his sword looks really awesome. It's basically got like a chainsaw on it. It's the only way I can describe it. But the coolest thing about Corrin is his fighting style, he is able to transform himself and his body parts into, like, dragons and stuff. Like, he has dragon wings, and he can literally transform into a dragon for a second. He has uh, these moves where, uh, basically, he puts on this, like, helmet, which has these giant horns. He has this big lance, which can stretch really far across the screen. I think he now has the longest reach of any character in the game, and that's his uh, smash attack. So, despite the fact that he is a swordsman, he doesn't play, like, Marth or Roy or Lucina or Ike or anything. He has his own completely uh, brand new moveset, which looks really cool. I like the design of the character as well. I think he actually looks a little futuristic when compared to some of the other Fire Emblem characters. Again, I haven't played Fire Emblem Fates, uh, but I didn't expect a design like that because uh, from what I've seen from Fire Emblem Fates, a lot of the design is uh, taking elements from like Japanese mythology, like a lot of samurais, and I think the other game that's being, because uh, there's two different versions of the game, uh, the other one is uh, a little more traditional, like uh, fantasy-based in terms of, like, the design. But this guy looks like he's, like, straight up from the future or something. He looks really cool, and at first I was a little disappointed because I was like, oh, great, another Fire Emblem character. There are now officially six Fire Emblem characters. How much I would have wanted another Zelda character or a Donkey Kong character or, hell, another freaking Metroid character. How about a classic Nintendo character, guys? And I was really upset at first, but the more I saw gameplay videos of him and saw how different he really was, I'm really excited to play as this character and it might actually get me to play Fire Emblem Fates. Uh, I'm really interested in this uh, character's backstory, and 
that's another genius thing about these Smash Brothers games is they can release a DLC character which will bolster the sales of the game that they're from. Like, people are totally going to, like, download this character, love him, and then they're going to want to play Fire Emblem Fates. And that goes for another character who was introduced in the Direct, the final character who's going to be released for Smash Brothers, a character that I honestly just don't think anyone saw coming, and that's Bayonetta. Do you guys even know who Bayonetta is? I've never played a Bayonetta game, but now I totally need to. Um, especially because the one that was released last year on Wii U, Bayonetta 2, was like a big fan servicey Nintendo game because it came with like all of this extra content, which involved Bayonetta actually like wearing Nintendo clothes and like using like Nintendo characters. Like she could summon Bowser's fists. If you don't know, Bayonetta is like this third person action game, kind of like in the vein of Ninja Gaiden or God of War or Devil May Cry. And uh, it's a really super stylized and very sexy game. And that's like the main reason I never felt that Bayonetta would even have a shot in, at being in these games just because she's such a sexualized character and a lot of the times Nintendo's like no, 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 we're not gonna do that we're gonna censor the crap out of everything God forbid anyone sees any boobies, but no, they're actually going to include this character and she's completely true to who she is in the games she's super sexy, she knows it, she's very proud of it, she's a very strong female character, but she's also got guns all over her body she wields two in her hands and she has two on her feet, and that makes her one of the more stylistic looking characters that and the fact that she can summon these like massive demonic witch body parts like these fists and feet which can crush people and knock people off of the stage she also happens to be a very combo heavy character so she looks like she's going to be a lot of fun and it also appears that she's also going to have her very own stage which honestly looks like one of the coolest stages that I've ever seen from the game and like I was saying with Corrin the cool thing about Bayonetta is people are going to download this character and then they're going to want to play her game they're going to want to look it up and they're going to try it out for themselves and they'll probably discover something that they never knew existed and something that they knew they would really like and uh, that's really one of the biggest strengths of including a character like Bayonetta in Smash Brothers. Um, like I said earlier, I was a little disappointed because I wanted more, like, traditional Nintendo characters. Like, I'm one of the people who's very vocal about wanting King K. Rule in this game. I want more Donkey Kong representation. And we also need more villain characters. There is an extreme lack of villain characters in Smash Brothers, and considering how many classical Nintendo villains there are, I think that's a big shame, especially because some of the more classic Nintendo series I really do feel are underrepresented, like uh, Donkey Kong and Metroid. Like, Metroid, of course, I would have wanted Dark Samus, who's already an assist trophy in the game, or heaven forbid, let's put Ridley in the game. I mean, the fans have been so vocal about it, and yet it's still just not happening whatsoever. I mean, there was a King K. Rule outfit that was released like a couple of months ago as a Mii Fighter costume, but to me, that's kind of an insult. I really don't want that. I just want the actual character. However, one Mii Fighter costume they did release was for the character of Geno from Super Mario RPG, which is just so freaking awesome. If you haven't played Super Mario RPG, download it on your Wii. It's a fantastic game. It's a really the most, like, classic Mario RPG, and that's saying a lot because there's been a lot of them, there have been the Paper Mario series, the Mario and Luigi games, and this one just sort of feels like an old-school Square Enix Final Fantasy RPG, just with Mario characters, and Gino has been one of those characters that, like, for years, people have been wanting him to appear in Smash Brothers. He seems like he would be a really great fit, and they basically did the next best thing where they released a Mii costume for him, and they made him a gunner, which is one of the uh, the different classes of Mii 
fighters, which is fitting for the character because he does have a gun on his arm, and they designed it to look as such. And you can even make your me kind of look just like Gino would, like with his big eyes and everything. So in many ways, we got Gino. The only problem is, since it's a me fighter costume, you're never going to be able to use him online unless you're playing uh, directly with your friends. If you're ever just playing with random people, going for four glory or something, you're never going to be able to play as Gino. And uh, that goes for all of the me fighters in general. So, as cool as those costumes are, they just aren't as usable as I really think they should be. I really wish they could do that. The main reason, of course, why they don't do that is because they don't want people, you know, making, like, Hitler me's and, like, really offensive ones and playing as them uh, online because they, they just don't want to offend anybody. And I can understand why they're doing that. But we already have a Miiverse stage that has people drawing schlongs in the background. So, really, I don't see why this would be all that bad. Uh, that being said... I'm pretty satisfied with what they've done for Smash Brothers and all of the DLC that they've released for it. I'm definitely going to pick all of these characters up. Like I said, I already picked up Cloud last night, and uh, I had an opportunity to play with him for about an hour or so, and he was a lot of fun. I really liked him a lot. Uh, I can't wait to see how they're going to handle Korn and Bayonetta. Bayonetta seems like she's going to be one of the more fun characters, but uh, there it is. Super Smash Bros. Wii U now has its official final roster, and uh, we're only going to have to wait another probably 10 years or so before we get the next Smash Bros. game, which uh, hopefully expands on the roster and hopefully brings everyone from this roster forward. I really don't want them to cut anyone. I want them to bring everyone back, maybe add like another, I don't know, 15, 20 characters, and we will be set. Listen to the super hardcore fans, though, Nintendo. Like, people do want King K. Rool. People want Metroid and Zelda characters. It's amazing that there are more Fire Emblem characters than Zelda characters. That completely blows my mind. I just never imagined something like that would ever happen, especially considering how popular The Legend of Zelda is. You know, if I could choose, like, characters from Zelda, like, I would choose a Skull Kid with Majora's Mask. I would choose a more classic version of uh, Ganon, maybe, like, the pig version of Ganon, either from A Link to the Past or from Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time Ganon would be all sorts of badass. Um, I've already mentioned Metroid, like Dark Samus would be really freaking fantastic, as well as Ridley. They really are the perfect choices for that franchise. Hell, I'd like some more Star Fox characters. I'm shocked that Wolf wasn't even announced. I thought he was going to be like a shoe-in because, you know, they brought in Lucas and they could have done the same thing with Wolf because he's just, you know, he he's not exactly a clone of Fox and Falco, he has similar moves, but he plays way different than both of them, and uh, I figured just porting him over really wouldn't have been that difficult, but uh, nay, it's not going to happen. That would have been a good idea, too, especially with uh, Star Fox Zero coming out. That would have been, like, the perfect way to build uh, a little more hype for that game, because, uh, I don't know, it just seems like Nintendo's not hyping Star Fox Zero uh, up enough. Uh, but there it is. I just wanted to talk a little bit about those DLC characters and give my thoughts on them. I'm pretty excited for them. I'm still slightly disappointed, but I am excited over playing as characters that I don't know a lot about and I get to learn about them. And if anything, I really want to get Bayonetta 2 for the Wii U now. What's really cool about the uh, the Wii U version of that game, I think it's the only version of that game actually, is that uh, it also comes with Bayonetta 1, so it's like a full package. You know, you're not going to be out of the loop. And that's another one of the reasons I want to get the game so I can sort of experience that on my own. Uh, maybe I'll pick that up for myself maybe by the end of the year. We'll see. Um, the biggest one on my plate at the moment is Yoshi's Woolly World, which is a game, unfortunately, I haven't had 
any time to play yet, but, uh, you know, come time after Christmas, I'm probably going to sit down and uh, waste a couple of hours on that game. I love classic Nintendo games. It's definitely uh, my favorite uh, video game franchises. Uh, so there it is, Super Smash Brothers. Uh, tell me in the comment section below if you guys are disappointed by the choices or if you're excited over the prospects of uh, Cloud, Corrin, and Bayonetta. If you had a character that you would like to appear in Smash Brothers, make sure to tell me. Uh, right after this, let's go ahead and talk about these big movie trailers. I already did a big video about the uh, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so I'm not going to get into it too much. What I will say is that trailer was so much better than the Batman versus Superman trailer. Like, I got so much more out of that, mostly because I'm still kind of burned by the fact that Doomsday does not look like Doomsday, but Bebop and Rocksteady from this new Ninja Turtle movie just look perfect. Like, they look like they were ripped right from the cartoons. And, and it bothers me, too, that they look so good, and yet the turtles still look so strange. Kind of like this weird amalgamation of, like, I don't know, Shrek and uh, the Goombas from the Super Mario Brothers movie. That's the way I see it. That's the way they always look to me. But Bebop and Rocksteady just look so big and massive and really powerful, and that's the way they should be. You know, a mutated rhino and a warthog should definitely be able to take on a group of turtles. Saying all of this out loud really does make me realize how strange Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is. Um, I still don't think the movie's going to be very great. Like, I think it's going to be, like, a bad movie, like, but maybe, like, a guilty pleasure type of movie, um, you know, way better than the first, it looks like this one just has way more focus, and there's not gonna be any, like, rewrites or reshoots, um, so in many ways, it's gonna be a better film, but it's still just a big, ridiculous, Michael Bay explosion film, and, uh, I don't expect it to be that crazy, will I see it in theaters? Probably not, will I see it when it's released on, like, DVD and Netflix and stuff? Of course I'm definitely gonna watch it, I have to see the live-action versions of Bebop and Rocksteady, if my seven-year-old old self knew about this he'd be freaking out just the prospect of seeing these characters on screen in live action for the very first time is really a big deal because i remember back in the day seeing uh teenage mutant ninja turtle 2 the secret of the ooze and the two mutants they used in that movie were toka and razar and everybody was complaining at the times like why aren't there bebop and rocksteady in this movie and uh you know even then i was a little burned by it but at the same time i think toka and razar are awesome too i would even like to see more reimaginings of those characters i think they're really awesome but uh, it is finally great to see these characters in the, the movie. Um, but the big trailer, really, uh, that I wanted to talk about was X-Men Apocalypse. Now, I'm a pretty casual X-Men fan, um, so I'm not going to be too harsh on this trailer. I actually thought it looked really awesome. My favorite thing about it is that Oscar Isaac is in it. Oscar Isaac is a really big up-and-coming actor. He blew it out of the park in freaking Ex Machina, which is this amazing sci-fi film that if you're even a casual fan of sci-fi, you have to check out. It's, it's honestly one of the more atmospheric movies I saw from the year, and uh, he's also going to be starring in the upcoming Star Wars The Force Awakens. Um, as of the recording of this podcast, Star Wars The Force Awakens opens tomorrow. Um, I could have made this whole podcast about Star Wars, but I've been making 100 Star Wars videos for 100 days, so check those out in your free time. Um, just my, my hype for that is amazing. And uh, Oscar Isaac is also going to be playing the key villain in X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, he's going to be playing Apocalypse himself. Um, and this trailer is cool because we finally get to see this character in action aside from like still shots and uh, magazine covers. And uh, he looks awesome. I really, really like him a lot. Um, they, they make sure not to show him too much in the trailer and they don't really like show like what any of his powers are going to be. And uh, that's 
I can understand why they do that, because uh, Apocalypse's powers are just kind of ridiculous. He can do just about anything he wants. Um, one of the powers that I always remembered from the comics and from the cartoons from when I was younger is that Apocalypse had the ability to like grow in size, like he could become a giant. And there's a shot in the trailer where he's having like a fist fight with Professor Xavier, which is kind of strange because I'm not sure if this is an actual fight in the movie or if it's some sort of weird dream sequence, but Apocalypse just beats the crap out of him, and it looks like he's pinning him on the ground, and as he's doing this, his body is actually starting to grow, and he's becoming a giant. This is probably a dream sequence, but it's also a great homage to what Apocalypse can actually do, so it's sort of like the best of both worlds. I guess they felt that like a giant like hulking Apocalypse would just look a little ridiculous, but you know, I mean, I mean, just look at him in general. He's just like this weird, ancient, robotic, blue, Egyptian mutant creature. I don't see why they couldn't just go crazy with that. Uh, but the rest of the trailer was just really ominous, just uh, talking about the uh, the coming of Apocalypse and how he was gathering his four horsemen, which, uh, according to the trailer, are going to be Magneto, uh, again being played, uh, I think his name is Fassbender, Michael Fassbender. Uh, I think he's been playing him uh, ever since... The, uh, the first class film. We also have uh, Psylocke, who's being played by Olivia Munn, of all people. I haven't seen her since the G4 days. You guys remember that channel? Yeah, it was actually a thing. Uh, we also have Angel, who's going to be returning. He's uh, one of the classic four horsemen of the apocalypse, which uh, definitely makes sense. I remember seeing him in the, uh, the cartoon version of the apocalypse story back in the early 90s. The X-Men cartoon from the early 90s kicked so much freaking ass. I loved it so, so damn much. Um, and then, of course, uh, we get to see some more of the uh, the other characters, like the younger versions. We get to see Jean Grey. We get to see Cyclops. We get to see Jubilee. I love the fact that it's set in the 1980s, and it really reflects that. We have uh, Storm, who's another of the, uh, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Probably the coolest looking movie version of Storm that I've ever seen. I love her classic 1980s look with the uh, the mohawk and everything. It's just so distinctive and so classic X-Men. Um, that being said, as classic as it is, they're still doing something in these movies that really, really bug me, and that's the fact that all of the X-Men wear black leather costumes. Why don't they have any of their distinctive costumes? Why have we never seen any of these characters in their recognizable outfits? Aside from the closest I think they've gotten to it is Magneto. I think that's about as far as it's went. Like, they're always wearing black leather, and something about that just really bugs me. Um, obviously, Wolverine doesn't seem like he's going to be a part of this film. He's probably going to have a cameo, though. I don't think they're going to just completely cut Wolverine from the story. He might have a very small scene, or the Maybe they're trying to keep something secret, but I've always wanted to see Wolverine wearing his uh, classic uh, orange and brown, or maybe even like the uh, the yellow and blue. I think that would be really fantastic just to finally see that, especially because there was a deleted scene from that one Wolverine movie where you actually see his costume and just, it looked perfect, like that's what we need to see in the films. I just think it would look so cool. Maybe they think it would just look completely goofy. I'm not sure. Um, they, they really need to decide like, how far they're going to go with the designs of comic book movie characters, because there are times when they go, like, all in, and they're like, alright, we're gonna make them look exactly like they do in the comic books, like, case in point, uh, the Spider-Man movies. For the most part, uh, his costume looks great in almost every single one. I think Amazing Spider-Man looks the most different, but Amazing Spider-Man 2 costume, I think, was perfect. It literally looks like Spider-Man jumped off the page. But the villains, they always, like, make them look so 
completely different. Like, they're recognizable, but they're always just, like, just a little different. It's kind of like the thing with Doomsday. Like, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. All instantly recognizable characters. You know who they are when you see them. But when Doomsday comes around, he just looks like some big, random movie monster troll from, like, Lord of the Rings or something. Like, and I wish they would just give that attention to the villains of these movies. Like, really make them look like their counterparts. Um, they've done a pretty decent job of that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, mostly with the character of Loki. Loki looks like he was ripped from the comics. He's even got his big horned helmet and everything. I'm really shocked that they decided to go that way. Although the trade-off is that Thor never wears his helmet, which I still think is a major disappointment. Can you believe he doesn't wear his helmet, like, at all? That's, like, one of the most classic things about Thor. It almost seems like he's been ditching the uh, the helmet lately. Um, and then we go back, uh, of course, to uh, X-Men Apocalypse, with the, uh, the heroes basically all wearing black leather, some of the villains looking like themselves, Apocalypse, I don't think looks perfect. I think he looks pretty good. Um, I wouldn't say I would know who the character was immediately if I saw him, and I didn't know the movie was called X-Men Apocalypse. Um, but I do enjoy the design, and I'm, I'm optimistic because Oscar Isaac is playing him, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do for this character, because uh, just this year alone, you know, I, I mentioned Ex Machina, uh, he played sort of this like reclusive, almost mad scientist-type character who was crazy, um, but not too insane, like he still had a little bit of rationale behind him. And then you have him playing this like hero rebel pilot in Star Wars The Force Awakens which I don't know how he's going to do with that character I'm going to know in about 24 hours though which I'm so freaking psyched for and then next year he's playing one of the biggest X-Men villains of all time so uh, it really shows that this guy has a uh, great range in uh, the type of characters that he can play and uh, X-Men Apocalypse if anything looked like it's going to be one hell of a spectacle it's a uh, another Brian Singer X-Men which uh, is probably why it still has sort of like that distinctive style from the uh, original X-Men movies when they started up uh, back, I think it was 2000 was the first one it came out. It was either 2000 or 2001. I re distinctly remember seeing that in theaters like twice. That's how much I loved the original X-Men movie. I still think X-Men 2 is the best. I'm not sure why. It's just, it's, it's always stuck with me. And that reminds me, I'm glad that they're bringing Nightcrawler back to the franchise. Um, that opening sequence in X2 is still one of my favorites where Nightcrawler is running through the White House and using his teleportation abilities like to take out everyone and to attack the president. Just so well shot and so creative. There was really nothing like that at the time, and that's why that shot was so incredibly distinctive. We've had a lot of stuff like that since then, but uh, I remember the first time just seeing that, uh, my jaw was just on the floor. It was amazing. The entire theater was just freaking out over that, so I really hope that they bring sort of that energy to X-Men Apocalypse because this is kind of like the reboot again of the entire franchise. Um, it was sort of rebooted with First Class, but then they did Days of Future Past where they erased some of the future events and some of the stuff in the past so this is another reboot, which is a little strange. Following the entire timeline of the X-Men movies is a little ridiculous. Um, but I really liked the trailer. I loved the tone of it. I loved finally getting to see all of this stuff in action for the very first time. And it's also a reminder that next year is just going to be insane for comic book movies. There are going to be so many of them and so other big movies as well. There's even a Tarzan trailer which came out last week, which I'm not going to comment on because I'm just not a very big... Tarzan fan. I really just don't have that much to add to it. Um, but I liked the X-Men Apocalypse trailer. I thought it looked really cool. If I had, like, a, a favorite scene from the trailer, it's probably just all the shots of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, like, attacking. The shot of Magneto throwing everything. That shot of Storm, where uh, you see the clouds coming in overhead. She just looks so freaking awesome. That's probably my favorite thing about X-Men Apocalypse, is Mohawk 
classic Storm. I cannot wait to see what they're going to do with her character. They really need to expand on her. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about the Halle Berry version of the character. I think this is a completely different actress. I need to go ahead and check that. I'm pretty sure it's someone different. She looks way different. Um, maybe it's just the hair, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure it's a completely different Storm, and I'm okay with that. I'm ready to see a new interpretation of the character. I'm really excited for this film. I wouldn't say it's going to be uh, my favorite comic book movie of 2016, the one I'm looking forward to the most, uh, but it's it's up there. I think Deadpool at the moment might be my favorite, just because it's still uh, probably the most mysterious in some ways. Uh, we have had a trailer for it, but that movie comes out the, the quickest. It's going to be out in just a couple of months, and also just the tone of that movie is so different from the other ones, which are so deathly serious like all of the time especially X-Men Apocalypse, Captain America Civil War, Batman vs. Superman and Deadpool. It's amazing to think that those four movies are coming out not to mention Ninja Turtles and a few other big films. So uh, 2016 is just going to be a very big year for movies and I can't wait to talk about all of them and I, I wish I had more time to talk about them but frankly I don't and I do not have enough time for the rest of this podcast unfortunately. I had barely any time to record this today but I wanted to make sure and give you guys another episode so despite the fact that Christian is not here, I didn't want to leave you guys hanging, and I wanted to talk a little bit more about this Dragon Ball stuff. So uh, thank you guys for listening in today. We really appreciate it. Um, before we go today, I just want to take a moment to thank our network, Rogue Intel. Uh, Rogue Intel gives us the ability to speak our minds and be ourselves. So make sure to check out their other shows at RogueIntel.com. If you want to help keep the network going, head over to RogueIntel.com slash Amazon for all of your shopping needs this holiday. It doesn't cost you any extra. That's the best thing about it. And a portion of your total will go towards Rogue Intel Network, which means more awesome podcasts, which means more powerful nerdcasts. And remember, if you guys would like to download this show for free make sure to look in the description box below you'll be able to download it at itunes or at rogue intel directly so there it is guys i'm gonna go ahead and just wrap this episode up right here thank you guys for joining me today uh make sure to uh tell me what you thought about today's episode whether it be stuff about dragon ball the movie trailers or smash brothers tell me what sort of topic ideas you guys want to see going into uh 2016 what other things you guys want us to talk about i assure you christian will uh return for the next episode which will be a holiday episode of the powerful nerdcast so make sure to bundle up next to the fire it's going to be pretty ridiculous so there it is my friends thank you for watching and i will see you next time